Spirit. Amen. Continuing our thoughts on our progress through the Divine Liturgy we reach today, the time where the priest and deacons have, in while the cherubic hymn is being sung, the priests and deacons have processed the gifts through the church and are received in, when the bishop is serving, the priests hand the gifts to the bishop who stands in the holy doors as I am standing, and he turns about and places them on the holy table. With the prayer, as he places them on the holy table, no jubile Joseph, having taken down your most pure body from the tree, wrapped it in clean linen with spices, and mourning, laid it in a new tomb. And at that point, as the gifts are being placed on the holy table, when there's a priest and a deacon serving, the priest turns to the deacon and asks him to remember him in God's kingdom. And the deacon responds, may the Lord God remember your priesthood in his kingdom. The priest again begs of the deacon, pray for me, fellow minister. And the deacon says, on behalf of the people of the church, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. And the priest responds, the Spirit himself will minister together with us all the days of our lives. And then the deacon asks for a blessing from the priest, remember me, holy master. And the priest says, may the Lord God remember you in his kingdom. And the priest, uh, deacon comes out and says the prayer, the litany of supplication before the holy doors, which is finished by the priest's doxology. The priest is saying quietly while the deacon is singing uh, the litany this is the litany uh, that has its usual litany, but it says, For the precious gifts here set forth, let us pray to the Lord. At the start of many litanies, the deacon will start off with a prayer. It's a special prayer so that we know what that prayer is about. So let us complete our prayer to the Lord. And the deacon says in his first prayer, For the precious gifts here set forth, let us pray to the Lord. We have set forth the gifts. And the priest's response underneath the deacon's prayers, O Lord God Almighty, you alone are holy and accept a sacrifice of praise from those who call upon you with all their heart. Accept also the prayer of us sinners and bring it to your holy altar. Enable us to offer you gifts and spiritual sacrifices for our sins and those done in ignorance by the people. Count us worthy to find grace in your sight that our sacrifice may be acceptable to you and the good spirit of your grace may rest upon us and upon these gifts here set forth and on all your people. And then the doxology is sung aloud through the compassion of your only begotten Son. And then the priest turns to you in the congregation and says, Peace be with you, offering you the gift of, the, of peace. And the deacon calls out, Let us one love one another, that with one mind we may confess. And the choir sing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, one in essence and undivided. And at that point, the priest bows three times before the gifts that are laid on the table, saying, I will love you, O Lord, my strength, the Lord is my firm foundation, my refuge and my deliverer, quoting Psalm 18. And he kisses the chalice and the pattern underneath the air and turns to any other priests that are serving with him and says, Christ is in our midst. The other says he is and shall be. And at that point, in ancient times, the congregation would also turn to one another 
and say Christ is in our midst. He is and he shall be, offering the hand and the holy kiss of peace. The prayer of offering, though, the prayer of sacrifice is what I want to look into closely today because twice or maybe three times the term sacrifice is used. O Lord our God Almighty, you alone are holy and accept a sacrifice of praise from those who call upon you with all their heart. Accept also the prayer of our sinners. Count us worthy to find grace in your sight that our sacrifice may be acceptable to you. Get me the epistles, right, please. This idea of sacrifice is very important. It's also misunderstood. For many of us, getting out of bed this morning, as the duvet was nice and cosy, and it was a bit too cold outside, getting out on the first day of uh, autumn holidays, that's a sacrifice, is it not? Getting out of bed on a Sunday, you've just <coughs> barely recovered from a week of work, and now you're being dragged out of the, your cosy duvet. For others of us who maybe have children or are carers, we know what, it's a sacri- what it is to be a sacrifice. Not that we sacrifice our children, that's not what I'm saying here. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we sacrifice all of our life, every need, every demand that we have of life in order to care for our children. And that's our modern understanding of sacrifice. But in the New Testament, in the Christian world, the idea of sacrifice shifts significantly and it particularly is give us a clue when we hear that phrase a sacrifice of praise what is meant by a sacrifice of praise and what is not a sacrifice of praise and saint paul writing uh, to the church in uh, galatia is also saying this is a very famous text in western christianity brothers and sisters knowing that a person is not justified by the works of the law but by faith of Jesus Christ, even as we have believed in Jesus Christ, we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It's a confusing text and has been poured over my thousands of people. And I'm going to do that all over again and probably get it wrong. But what matters to us as we sit here is to think what has changed between the Old Testament God, the God that the Old Test- people of the Old Testament experienced and understood, and the new God, the God of the New Testament, the God of the new revelation, the final revelation. <coughs> How is our understanding of sacrifice shift from that of the Old Testament, the Jewish people, the people of God in the Old Testament, to the people of God in the New Testament? What does sacrifice of praise mean to us? Under the law, capital L, under the law given to the Jewish people, the people of God of the Old Testament, under the law, a sacrifice was given not to get rid of sins, but to cover over. The word used is the sort of word that you would use to, in Greek and Hebrew to cover up, to cover over, to paint over something. So in the Old Testament, your sacrifice was not to get rid of sin, but to cover over, almost to shield God's eyes from your sinfulness. It wasn't an easy easy sacrifice, because your sacrifice had to be something important. You didn't just pop into the synagogue 
and pay a little bit of cash over. You had to find the cleanest, the purest animal, and you had different animal depending on what the sin was that you were giving forgiveness, asking forgiveness for. It had to be pure, had to be the best. It wasn't the old animal that you were fed up with and need, didn't need any longer. It had to be the youngest and purest animal that you gave up. And that animal was taken to the synagogue, uh, to, the, to the temple, and was then slaughtered in a very careful and very specialised way. The blood of that animal marked on the person to cover over, to hide the sinfulness. And even when in the letter uh, to Hebrews, in the, uh, in the epistles, in the, Old, uh, in the New Testament, says that the works of the law did nothing to cleanse you of your sins. And this idea of a sacrifice being given, but actually you don't escape the consequences or even the guilt of that sin. And this is why in Judaism, people who were particularly devout <coughs> ended up making sure that they were giving sacrifices and oblations and burnt offerings for almost everything in life. Because you imagine... If you had done something wrong to somebody, you've wronged somebody, you've been horrible to someone, you can't undo that. You've said something harsh. You've said something coarse or rude or horrible to somebody. You can't undo that. You can't wind back the words. But what you could do is do something else instead. You could be particularly nice to them on the next time that you see them. Or you might buy them a sweet or take them out to lunch. You haven't got rid of the offence, but you've covered it over with something else. You've given recompense for, of that sin. But the sin doesn't go away. And therefore, if you by habit do something that's sinful, or you meet someone who is so much more holy, so much more perfect than you, that you suddenly see that you are always sinning. If you suddenly have an encounter with God, the perfect being, who cannot sin, who is not sin, then you realise that every bit of your life is turning away from God, is sinful. And therefore you give more and more recompense. More and more things that you do to cover over that sinfulness. Almost as if you're trying to rub out a stain or a spot and it doesn't go away. And you keep on scrubbing and you keep on scrubbing it's still not going away. So maybe you wear a pair of gloves over that stain. But you're still trying to rub that stain away because it's not gone. And the problem for the people of the Old Testament, the people under the law, was that no matter what they did, no matter what offering they gave to God, their sinfulness before God always remains. So what does God do? In order to complete the law, in order to finalise the law, he sends his only begotten son. Not that he has to then sacrifice his own son, because to sacrifice your own son would mean that your son is a created being, is not the same as you. If you believe that Jesus Christ is a created being that can be sacrificed by God for sins, 
In the same way as we might sacrifice a turtle dove for our sins, we are Arians. We believe that Jesus Christ is therefore a created being, and that's the heresy. Jesus Christ is God. It is impossible for you to sacrifice yourself. It is impossible for God to sacrifice his own son. Instead, we sacrifice Christ. We as humanity are those that sacrifice Christ upon the altar, upon the holy cross. We also sacrifice Christ as we take him to the holy table. But it's not a sacrifice that covers over sins, that hides our sinfulness, but is a permanent sacrifice, an eternal sacrifice, a sacrifice that washes away our sins, cleanses us. Not that we have done anything good. Remember, we've just sacrificed God by ignoring him, by not seeing our own sinfulness by not loving God as much as we could. We are the ones that sacrifice God day in, day out, when we forget to remember God. But when we do remember God, we come with our gift. <coughs> We're not taking God for a coffee to say sorry, but we are taking the very gift that God has given to us, Remember what I said about the wine and the bread being that gift that God has already given to us. And we prepare it. We make bread and wine out of the flour and the grapes. But we also bake it, the bread and we cut the bread. And we sacrifice, or the priest does at the proscomedi table, sacrifices Christ again by cutting that bread into the shape of a cross. And he carries that as he would carry a dead person in a coffin. He carries that round in procession through the people. Remember last Sunday, was it last Sunday's gospel, the a widow of Nain, and the man on the bier is being carried out of the city gates. As the priest, in a moment, carries those gifts out, remember that image of the widow of Nain carrying her only begotten son, through the people as they are crying and wailing. Jesus Christ is being carried by the deacon and the priest over their heads, above the crowds and above the shoulders of the people, as they are brought forward and brought to the cave, the holy sepulchre, the holy tomb. From the cave of Christ's birth, the proscomedi table, Christ is carried in procession through the gates of life into the holy table, to the table of the sepulchre, of the tomb. And the priest or bishop receiving those gifts in order to carry them on says those words, Noble Joseph, taking down your most pure body from the tree, wrapped it in clean linen with spices and mourning, laid it in a new tomb. As we place the gifts on the holy table. The sacrifice of praise that we give is not a blood sacrifice, in the uh, liturgy of St. Basil, this prayer is more detailed. It says, Accept us as we draw near to your holy table, your holy altar, according to the multitude of your mercies, that we may be worthy to offer you this reasonable sacrifice without the shedding of blood. So these beautiful words are reason endowed, not 
a sacrifice of fear, a sacrifice of offence, where we approach God and afraid of God, hoping that he's not going to hate us, and we offer up burnt offerings in order to assuage an angry and wrathful God. That is not the God of Christianity. That is the God of paganism. That is the God of atheism. What we have <coughs> is a reason endowed, a reasonable sacrifice. A sacrifice of ourselves, of our minds, of our intelligence, of the beauty of our intellect. And we do not shed blood. No longer do we pour blood on the holy table. But we give an offering that has already been offered to us. We give a gift that has already been gifted to us. Having received it, says St. Basil's liturgy, having received this gift upon your holy and spiritual altar above the heavens as a sweet-scented spiritual fragrance, send down upon us in return the grace of your Holy Spirit. We offer that gift, God, God offers it back. He, we offer it upon the Holy Table, and we ask that he offers back the Holy Spirit. Accept it as you accepted the gifts of Abel, the sacrifices of Noah, the whole burnt offerings of Abraham, the priestly offices of Moses and Aaron, the peace offerings of Samuel. All of those practices of the Old Testament are brought forward except as you did from the holy apostles this true worship that in your goodness accept these gifts from the hands of us sinners that having been counted worthy to serve without blame and this goes directly to St. Paul's point to the church in Galatia that we are not justified by our works we are not saved by our works but God counts us worthy he is the one that imputes justice to us he is the one who sees us and sees our worthiness. He gives us the gift of worthiness. He gives us the gift of not covering our sins, but removing our sins from our very being, from our very DNA, from our very essence. We are cleansed, not because we do stuff, good stuff or bad stuff, but because God has already given it to us as a gift. Our work is that we reach out and accept it. Our sacrifice of praise is that we drag our sorry bottoms out of our beds in the morning on a Sunday on the first day of our holidays and we come in order to carry God, in order to carry the gifts, in order to offer those gifts that have already been given to us such that we then in return receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.